You ready to start? Yeah. This was a rough one. This is a rough episode. It's beautiful, though. It was very well done. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm glad. I don't know if I can say I enjoyed it. It was a good episode. I, I mean, one of the things I wrote down was, I can't believe we watched this a second time because the beginning was was really quite difficult to watch. But the episode as a whole, I found to be really enjoyable. It was a good. It was good. It was well done for sure. Yes. Hard for to sure. watch, but but really quite good. Yeah. Season three, episode three of The Crown, Aberfan. Uh, they seem to pronounce that Aberfan. It's Wales. But, yeah. So, it's probably pronounced... Probably. I don't have a very good Welsh accent. There are more vowels than consonants. You went sort of Eastern Europe. Oh, that's, that's all I know when I mix shit up. Totally TR time. Get yourself a shine can be made of anything flowers from your best friend homemade links are heaven sent anything made with love on your head it's tiara time all right so let's start the all right episode. let's do that can we just call it aberfan or do you need to have a different title for the podcast i was trying to come up with um something funny to say about how it's not funny to make fun of a tragedy <laughs> at this level right but i didn't really get there um the title of the episode i came up with for the crown cast was duck and cover i'm very uncomfortable are you yeah i'm okay with that okay I don't mind being uncomfortable about this, but it's a very emotional episode of television, that's for sure. Well, yeah. So let's so let's talk about it. We can talk All right. about it. Let's just dive in. 20 October 1966. Aberfin, Wales. That's good. That's good, Aberfin. And the first shot is ominously rainy start to the episode right it's whales sure but it is whales so it's a straight street of row houses mm -hmm. with a big mountain in the back not a big mountain a small mountain in the background with a coal operation on it so i knew immediately that this was going to be a coal disaster episode oh me too yeah the, the foreshadowing was strong with this one um but as soon as that camera raised up and you see the little coal operation on top of the hill, I'm just like, oh, this is not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's funny how depictions of a Welsh coal mining town mm -hmm. are so different than what I would expect a coal mining town in West Virginia to look like. Completely different. How? The houses are different. The Yeah, the... The beautiful row houses, the just the little the high street mm -hmm. the village with houses on either side. Right. I mean, you could tell it's totally sort of set up to be a, a little worker's village. Right. But such a 
more beautiful and in my opinion place than what i would expect a west virginia coal mining town to look like okay like like um october sky yeah the town in october sky right looked a lot different yeah i have to take you through i can't think of the name of the town there's a little town between kingwood and grafton that still has company houses set up right. along the railroad track. And it's love. Well, of course, my idea of a lovely little rural West Virginia town is probably different than yours. Because I like little shacks and little witchy looking houses. That's what I was going to say. Like the just the little the company shacks of, mm-hmm. of houses is really what I what I feel like is, you know, the coal company being as cheap as they possibly can. Right. Whereas in Wales, clearly they're able to at least build stone row houses that, that right. look sort of, I mean, maybe it's just, a, it's, it's a different way to build cheaply, mm-hmm. but I guess it depends on the resources you have. That's exactly what I was hand. thinking. Yeah. They have probably more stone in Wales than right. trees. As opposed to West Virginia, which at the time had a lot more trees. But yeah, the, uh, the opening part of this episode well, I kept thinking, if it's a mind disaster, why do they keep showing all the kids? Right. I was going with, oh, these kids aren't going to see their dads Their again. dads again, yeah. But that is not what happened. That's not what happened. So let's talk about what did happen. Yeah. So the morning of the disaster. This is Friday, October 21st, 1966. There's a There's a couple of guys in a jeep or whatever and they're driving up on top of the hill and they're mm-hmm. they're talking about i didn't quite understand what they said but they're talking about someone reported a a train outage a, yeah a car had yeah disappeared so they, <laughs> they get up there and there's a sinkhole and they start looking at it and like the sinkhole is active right and getting activer right so they start they run down the hill and try to get the supervisor and and then it's just that quick. Fucking all hell breaks loose. Right. So what happened precisely, not to put too fine a point on it, was a, a coal tip, mm-hmm. which is a hill made out of the junk. Yeah. The waste. Material. The waste from coal mining. Right. After a period of heavy rains. Which led to water in the tip, right? Forming a slurry that collapsed mm-hmm. the entire mountain, right? Of waste, which then slides down the actual mountain that they were mining, right? Onto the town of Aberfin. Yeah, right onto the school. Specifically onto the junior school. It killed. 116 children and 28 adults in total as it engulfed the school and other buildings. Right. Out of the 240 students that attended the school, 109 of those students perished. Wow. In this disaster, along with five teachers. That is a shitty day at the office. Yeah. Junior school ages range from 8 to 13. Okay. And 
I did some population looks and stuff like that. Okay. And that's about the size of the junior high school that I went to. All right. About an equal number of students. Of course, junior high was only two years, so our ages were squished together right. a lot more. But that really helped me put it into perspective if 111 of my junior high school friends died all so of a sudden. Half the school. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Just I, literally gone. I can't, I can't imagine. imagine. When I was in high school, there were two car accidents within four or six weeks of each other. Right. And between the two of them, six of our high school friends Gosh. were killed. And that was, I mean, I can't even, I'm, I'm literally speechless. I can't. Right. We couldn't. It was, it was too much. Yeah. Um, and multiplying that by 15. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. That's crazy. Some of the staff died trying to protect children. Mm -hmm. The school meals clerk used her body to shield five children who all survived. Wow. She died. She was found by rescuers still holding a pound note she had been collecting as lunch money. The deputy headmaster tried to use a blackboard to shield himself and five children from the slurry mm -hmm. pouring through the school. He and all 34 pupils in his class were killed. When the avalanche stopped, so did the noise. One resident recalled that in that silence, you couldn't hear a bird nor a child. Oh, they made really good use of that in this episode. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, before the avalanche starts, mm -hmm. you know, there's all the noise of the machines. There's the rainy day, the people are off to work and to school. There's the headmaster that's ringing the bell, mm -hmm. you know, and then the work site, like the guy's like, wait, wait, quiet. Cause he starts to hear it. And there's this very low rumble. Yeah. And then the, the coal lanch happens and there's all, I mean, the noises, you know, it, it, the sound of the television show wasn't deafening, but like you can tell, like the only noise right now is this coal thing happening. Right. And then after that, and then even later in the episode, the, the silent times mm -hmm. versus the, the singing and the morning. And, you know, they, they really, they went back and forth with that a lot. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was effective. To see. It was a good, yeah, it was really mm -hmm. good. It was really effective. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So my comment after the school gets hit is, well, you know, we watched this the first time last night, and you and I both were just agape. I, yeah. We were. We were not expecting this. No. We were just, we were both just, oh, holy shit. Like, there's no, right. there's no other reaction to that. There's not. So then we cut to PM Wilson opening a hypermarket, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> I didn't look that up to see if that's still a thing. I didn't either. Of course, I don't do research anyway. So he finds out and then he gets called away to go start the process of visiting the site. The next couple of scenes are, are watching the prime minister sort of start taking on the idea that there's this political thing he's got to deal with. Mm -hmm. 
And it's political because someone's at fault. Right. Yeah, because someone's going to be blaming, because people are going to be blaming everyone. The mm-hmm. government, the coal board, the queen, whomever. Right. I don't know what to think about Wilson in this episode. I really don't. He's turning out to be an interesting character he now. He really is. Like before he was just what they said he was. He was unmemorable. Right. But now he's kind of interesting to me. He had more lines than he's ever had. So he that's did. helpful. And it, the the scene later with the queen is mm-hmm. was really helpful for me too. Yeah, uh, we'll get to it later. But you know, like I'm saying, I I don't I don't really know where he's coming from in this episode because he immediately jumps on the idea that this is going to be a political thing, mm-hmm. and then at the same time, really comes off as trying to make a heartfelt response mm-hmm. to this tragedy. Well, that's who he's supposed to be. Yeah. He's supposed to be the representative of the people. He is supposed to be one of them. The character that he portrays, as we find out later in the episode, is of a person of a lower standing than he actually is. A a working class person. Right. Right. And he's not. And he is not. This was this was one of the hardest scenes for me was the the miners working to dig out right people yeah just they're scraping away at this coal crap with their bare hands with buckets just whatever they can get whatever they could get their hands on and i read that the coal miners were very organized Mm -hmm. that within 20 minutes they were there like everyone was there within 20 minutes right and the coal miners were very organized and they were very considerate about how they were trying to dig these children out. The coal miners were directing people to try to dig children out in such a way that it wouldn't cause more collapse. Right. Like they were really using their coal mining knowledge to try to get kids out as safely as they could. Right. Without causing damage to other kids who were. Sure. Underneath all this rubble. So they're they're doing this with like Jesus active safety intent as right. opposed to just reckless abandon right. trying to get these people. Right. Out. Exactly. The line later from Maggie, you know, the the miners digging their own kids out like kills me. Yeah. Miners used to digging for coal, now digging to reach their children. The new Liz learns of the accident and between her and the mustache, it's kind of business as usual. You know? Right. Martin tried. Right. He did. Martin was like. We need a response. Yeah. I've written one. It's very appropriate. Right. Not much of any. I mean, what else do you say? Right. Besides, I'm very sorry. But then he was like, the PM would like to use. You're playing if that's okay. I'm sure that's okay. And she's like, of course it is. And he's like, unless Let's the crown would like to go. to go. Why in the world would I do that? I visit hospitals. And some of this struck me a little as filmmaking storytelling rather than what might have actually happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that we get some titles at the end that, right. that, that help tell a little more of the story. Um, but still, it seemed a little dramatized exaggerated specific Mm -hmm. for the drama of it still 
there's there's some really nice moments that come out of this episode. Mm-hmm. So they're they're still kind of setting up what's going to happen in terms of the political slash crown responses. Right. So then something I, I was left a little wanting from this episode. There's a scene where the PM now is on the plane mm-hmm. and then he's talking with his assistants. Mm-hmm. I couldn't quite tell if it's the same woman that was yelling at him later. It is. Okay, good. I'm glad you spotted that. So then she's talking about, and this is the only mention of it in the whole episode. Uh-huh. She's talking about how the accident actually happened and that the coal tip was five times higher than guidelines suggested it should be. Uh-huh. Which in her words was more than a hundred feet as opposed to the 20 feet mm-hmm. that it should have been. It was 111 feet tall. Everything she said there was true. And what, 300,000 cubic yards of yes. material? Yes. Like, that's insane. Yes. We can talk about this. I'd like to talk about this for a minute. Do it. When this coal tip was created, right? it overlaid a natural spring. Oh, I'm not an engineer, but... <laughs> The tip was the responsibility of the National Coal Board, Mm -hmm. the NCB, which Wilson's assistant referenced when she was telling him about it. And an inquiry placed the blame for the disaster on the organization and nine specific named employees. Good. The chairman was criticized for making misleading statements and for not providing clarity as to the NCB's knowledge of the presence of the water springs on the hillside. Hmm. So this was 1966. There had been an unusual amount of rain in this village since 1960, 1958, 1960. Yeah. This was not just a recent thing. They had complained to the County about Two years earlier, about the excessive flooding Mm -hmm. that had happened, there were 11 floods. I don't remember the amount of time, but I'm going to say within the past eight to 10 years. Okay. And reports of the floods said that the water was black and it left an oily residue. Several of the residents in the show had yelled out that they had complained they had been complaining. Oh, the yeah. Time. When they had the town meeting with yeah. the yeah, with, with Wilson. Well, and, and in the one with the NCB. Oh, OK. Later on. OK. Um, but yeah, that, that totally matches up with what you're saying mm-hmm. actually happened. Yeah. And no action had been taken. Obviously. Well, yeah. By the time of the disaster. And what I was thinking was that. You know, the show doesn't talk about any of the regulations. It doesn't talk about any of the actions that happened following the accident. It doesn't talk about whether or not the NCB was held accountable. And that that was kind of the part that I was lacking. But at the same time, it also seems like it's sort of obvious that changes would have had to come about from this. You know? Sorry to disappoint you. But it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, it's very frustrating. Maybe the reason they didn't update on that is because literally nothing happened. 
Really? No one was prosecuted. Wow. No one, no one was fired. Zero action was taken. Um, they did move the remaining tips. They moved the remaining coal tips out, trucked it away. Fascinating. Lorried it away. There had been clogged pipes and drainage ditches that were the cause of a lot of the recent flooding. Okay. The NCB as an organization was not prosecuted. No NCB staff were demoted even, let alone canned or prosecuted. What in the world? You know, once again, the rich white guys. They're just like, well, people need their coal. What are you going to do? Right. It's going to cost a few children every now and again. And. God, I really hate the world sometimes. I know. And this is what happens in every. This is why we still have coal accidents to this day. Yeah. And we always have. (sighs) And we always will. Because the owners can get away with it. I suppose I'll be fine with what I do until there's an actual robot uprising that destroys humanity. Then I'll blame you. That's almost sadder than the fucking episode. Yeah. Um, The official inquiry report placed the blame squarely on the NCB. They were 100% to blame. And nothing was done. Hmm. The organization's chairman was criticized for making misleading statements and for not providing clarity as to the NCB's knowledge of the presence of the water springs on the hillside. Hmm. Well, that's almost something. Not quite, though. No. Let's move along. All right. So we don't get a lot of Maggie in this episode. No. There's there's a moment now where Tony has heard the news and kind of quickly runs out the door and, and kisses Maggie on the cheek and says, you'll, you'll understand what's going on tomorrow. Right. And bolts off because he's going to go to Wales. I was assuming he was going to take pictures. Right. Um, but there's, there's not really any mention of that. Um, so he gets there. And then Sunday morning, Maggie goes to have brunch with the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, she I, orders whiskey. She does, you know, because... It's fucking 9 a.m. 9.30. Whatevs. She's wearing her sunglasses to breakfast. Oh, those were fabulous, too. <laughs> they really were. She looked great. So, and then she tells Liz what her experience with Tony has been, because Tony, Tony calls her in the middle of the night and, and recounts some of his experience. Mm-hmm. And they're just soaking up all of the emotional devastation of the scene because PM Wilson, Elizabeth are just kind of trying to figure out how to get through the day and not have to talk about this terrible tragedy. Uh huh. And Maggie and, and Tony are like running towards it and just soaking up all of the devastation, all of the, all of the tragedy and right. feeling it. Yeah. All the way through. I just, you know, I know we talk about the difference between, the stodgy old government and the queen and Tony and Maggie who are emotional. Like they're, they're meteors. They're better to burn out than fade away. Right. And 
you know, it, it, it applies to like lows and highs. Mm -hmm. They have spectacular highs and really devastating lows. And I, I just find the contrast interesting to watch. And now it's the avoid the blame game in government. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't help me feel any better. It doesn't. But that's what's going on in the show. Not a lot of laughs in this one. Really not. Johnson? This <laughs> <laughs> an awful podcast. Keep it light. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yes, and. The acting in this episode was pretty tremendous. It was good. Everyone was appropriately somber. Mm-hmm. All right, so the political blame game. Right. What's the scene? Is it? Wilson's assistant telling him to grow some balls. Are we there yet? Because that was pretty good. Yeah, that's where we are. The conversation between Wilson and his assistant is this is where I really don't understand his position because he's 100% political mode. He's mm-hmm. just trying to figure out what to do politics wise. Right. Um, his assistant is calling him not a real socialist. Right. And grow some balls. And she was great. I love her. Her position was very clear. Yes. But at the same time, her position was we need to blame the Tories. Right. Which. Okay. Like, I guess, but. Who cares? You're the ones in government now. Yeah. Like, stop passing the buck and fucking put some regulations in place. Right. Do something. Do something. And, you know, she did mention that she wants to make sure that the the coal board is to blame, mm-hmm. is blamed or takes the blame. I'll take that. But at the same time, she's really trying to make sure that the labor government doesn't get blamed. Right. So I'm very wishy-washy on whether I like their attitudes. Sure. So then the crown decides to send Philip to the funeral. Right. He gets a little weepy. Yeah, he's he's absolutely moved in that scene. If you have a minute, I encourage both you, Chris, and our listeners to Google a photo of the graves. Yeah. Of the children of Aberfin. They put it up on the hillside. They did. In the show. And it looked like it was in a in the shape of a large cross. Yeah. And it might be. The photos that I saw weren't from overhead, so you couldn't really tell. Uh-huh. But they now have, you know, the show. On the show, it was so recent. Right. So it was, you know, dirt-covered right. graves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They now have marble tops on each of the graves with these gorgeous little arches Mm -hmm. over each one and different little statues. And Mm. it's really, it's tremendous. Interesting. It's really tremendous. Okay. 
and it's worth your time to look at that for sure. Yeah. I think they've done, I'm going to say maintenance on, there's a, there's a memorial garden and there's things like that. And like when they said that the queen has gone back more than anyone else, she's gone back to lay wreaths and to open the memorial gardens and things like that. So it's, it's lovely. It's right. It's fitting. Okay. And kind of overwhelming. Mm. You know, in the same way that Arlington is kind of overwhelming. Right. It's it's just How does one stare into the face of avoidable human tragedy and be unaffected? Ask the queen. Bazinga. <laughs> Cuz that's a big point of this show is that the queen isn't emotionally affected right. by anything. Yeah, she says as much. Do you think that makes her a better queen? Um, my answer to that question is questioning the nature of better as opposed to what in a queen. Because why have queens? Because they seem wasteful. Legit. Hmm. I mean, they used to rule. Yeah. They don't well, so much rule anymore. San Dimas High School football used to rule, too. San Dimas High School football rule! <laughs> Guess what I watched this weekend. <laughs> Elizabeth gets tipped off that the papers are going to run a story about how she's not doing anything right in response to this tragedy. And I guess what they're, they're sort of asking for is a visit. Like it makes it better. Yeah. I mean, and we've, we've seen that plenty in our lifetimes, you know, leaders go visit the sites of tragedies. Yeah. When something happens, you show up with a casserole. Yeah, true. You bring a hot dish. No, there's nothing you can do. You can't change what happened. But why don't you go visit and have a human connection? But you can be there. Yeah. Which, you know, I I guess I agree with. I I mean, it makes sense Mm -hmm. that people should do that. But then we start planning a a trip. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth is going to go up. It's, It's about a week later. Right. In show time. They plan out a few stops for her. But the actual the actual visit I found to be quite lovely. Yes. I mean, the look on her face was just I mean, what is crestfallen times a thousand? Like yeah. the look on her face was just absolutely gutted. Mm-hmm. Um she spent some time with some of the villagers. Mm-hmm. Um there's, you know, a bit of a meet and greet here and there. She and lays a wreath. There's a church thing. She does lay a wreath at the gravesite. Um, my favorite scene is going to be in this section. Okay. Where she's in Abravan. Because she comes out of a house. I guess it was the meet and greet house. Mm-hmm. And there's a handful of people outside with cameras who take her picture. Right. But then, like, everyone in the crowd after that 
that little brief moment of taking pictures, everyone kind of gathers around her Mm -hmm. and she welcomes them. Yeah. And they have like, they do some handshakes and they do some. She talks to them. Yeah. She's, she's talking to them and. They have a human moment. They stop short of, of hugs and kisses, but it was a real human connecting moment. Mm -hmm. And I really loved that. Yeah. So that was nice. And then here again is where I don't understand what's going on in Wilson's head. Wilson, you idiot. (laughs) Because we're back at Buckingham. Right. Wilson comes back over at the the behest of the queen, I imagine. Mm -hmm. She yells at him for a second because she thinks that he went behind her back to to try to place some blame on her for not going to the the scene. But then he kind of. He sidesteps that and says, well, it wasn't me. It's got to, it must have been someone else right. in the government. But then their, their guards come down and they totally have this vulnerable conversation. Liz talks about how she doesn't really feel like she doesn't have these big emotions. Right. She didn't cry when her granny died. She didn't cry when she had her first child. She didn't cry when, you know, after the blitz and her parents were crying right. because like they were, you know, commiserating with the people of London who had had their lives destroyed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the PM, PM Wilson, you know, kind of comes back and says, this is a private conversation, right? Because I'm not really a working man. Right. I never worked a day in my life. My hands are very soft. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't like smoking pipes. You know, I much prefer a cigar. I'm much more a fancy lad than I let on. Right. And so he kind of consoles her and makes it okay for her to be who she is. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if she doesn't actually react viscerally to this kind of stuff, that that's okay. That's okay. You, know, you still have an important role to play as the, the leader of the church in the country. Right. I still don't get it. I still don't understand if it's good or not. Yeah, same. But at the same time, it made her feel better. And it was a right. connecting moment between the two. Yes. So it could be laying groundwork for more more in-depth conversations with them later. Cool. I hope so. I hope so, too. Because I'm starting to like him. Yeah. So. Yeah, so in a weird way, I don't really get him, but I, I do kind of like him at yeah. this point. Yeah. He gets a Paul Hollywood handshake and moves on. Yeah. Hollywood handshake. Hollywood handshake. Handshake. And we're down to the end. Liz listens to a recording of the hymn. Mm -hmm. The one that that moved Philip at the graveside. Right. I guess she requested to hear that hymn. Mm -hmm. We get a couple of tears from her. Yeah. A lot of bass acting from Olivia Coleman. Yeah. But just like, wow. What a devastating episode of TV. Yeah. That was sad. What do you say about it? Many survivors reported suffering from sleeping difficulties, nervousness, lack of friends, Mm. unwillingness to go to school and work. In the year following the tip slide, close relatives of the victims had a death rate seven times higher than the norm. Wow. One local doctor later wrote, by every statistic, patients seen prescriptions written deaths 
I can prove that this is a village of excessive sickness. Despite these problems, during the five years after the disaster, the birth rate rose considerably. I mean, what are you going to do? Your your whole world is sort of devastated yeah. and people continue to die around you and all we can think to do is stay home and have sex. Yeah. And I think one of the human responses to death is life. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a normal response. I'm sad to learn that there were no real reforms enacted. I'm sad, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the history of West Virginia in a nutshell. I know. It's really too bad. Owners who care more about money than they do about life. Slip the rules and... And, they, it, and people die. It's, it's what happens. Save as much money as you can. Mm-hmm. Dead people will work themselves out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Super downer. Yeah. You're welcome. So we talked about your favorite scene. Yeah. What was yours? My favorite scene was when Wilson's assistant cussed him out. That was pretty brilliant. I like her so much. I'm going to call her Wilson's work wife because I don't know. Like I, 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 I think that's appropriate. I couldn't tell if that was his wife or right? his uh, co-worker. And I kind of, she reminded me of my Aunt Edie. My, yeah. My Aunt Edie was. Firecracker. A firecracker. She was a redhead in a family of blondes and and brunettes. Right. And she was the assistant to the president. She was the assistant to several presidents at WVU. So she was the, she ran the place. She was the one that was always there and had always been there. So she trained the new president on what he was supposed to, he was supposed to do. Right. And I can totally see her pulling that on one of them. Um, and just, being honest and being loud and because that's the only way that people listen to women is if they get in your face right. and tell them what to do. Right. And even then, a lot of times they don't listen, but we feel better for it. And rightly so. But that was my favorite scene. And I'm really glad they chose an actor for her that. You hear this all the time. I may not have mentioned this on the podcast yet. She has real teeth. <laughs> she does not have Hollywood teeth. Right. And I love that about right. her. Sure. Love that. I'm so glad they chose an actor that that presents as just a normal fucking Brit. Sure. Which is appropriate for the role. Absolutely. Because... Her work husband is supposed to be a perfectly normal Brit. Right. So all in all, I really liked this episode. It's a hard one to I watch. I did too. It's a hard one to talk about, not necessarily emotionally, but we're, I mean, the last episode was. Oh my God. 
a complete 180. We laughed the entire time we did the podcast. And this one, it's just like, I would feel horrible if I laughed about any of this. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to do a podcast about it. It really is. It is. It's, it's, yeah. And make it seem enjoyable. I wonder if the writers of the episode have the same problem. I guess they're not written in order and they're probably not even written by the same people. That's interesting it is. to think about. I mean, I like to think that making jokes about, I mean, I don't, I don't think we'd make a ton of jokes anyway. Like I'm not trying to be funny, but sometimes when something funny happens on the show, like we can, we can riff about it and, right. and, and have a laugh and I can right. throw a sound effect. In there the were podcast. a lot of sound effects in the last episode and that's, you know, because it was appropriate. Fun. Right. Um, but I like to think that just talking about our experiences and our reactions to the show mm-hmm. and to the real life situations is also something that our listeners can yeah. get some joy from. Yeah. Even if it's a hard episode. It's a hard episode. So I don't have anything else. I think with that, we can we can thank our listeners. And Jenny Parrott for and our Jenny intro Parrott. and outro. Because the, the music is really not going to match up with the subject matter on, on this episode. You know what I think would be really nice? But we still love it. I think it would be nice if you found a recording of All Things Bright and Beautiful. And I will look. That in the I will episode. look around. I would like that very much. So until next time, I guess we'll hope for a, a happier subject. We'll have hope for a happier subject next week. Until then, God save the Queen. God save the Queen. Totally TR time. The podcast where the stars align. Raining Queen is Emery. King Chris got that royal sound. When he's discussing the crown. Grab your scepter and around. It's TR time. It's TR time. It's TR time. I like it. Who's in the way? shoes in here uh, we have places for that that's where i keep my feet <laughs> what about when you're not home i guess my feet are somewhere else at that point <laughs> and then where do you keep your feet in my sleeveies it's not how a joke goes it's not you're right quiet schroeder <laughs> we're rolling in here That's going to be a good one. I think so.